Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the goodness that you extend to us that we do not deserve. Lord, we, uh, uh, we thank you, uh, Sarah and I do especially, for uh, the, uh, the special part that uh, Peggy has played in our life. Lord, we, we do uh, uh, thank you for uh, your hand of protection, even uh, though uh, she has fallen today. Lord, we, uh, we, we pray that uh, you would give her healing. We pray that uh, you would uh, strengthen her body. We pray that you would touch her in a special way. And I pray that uh, you would give her uh, especially what uh, she needs just now. And Lord, we uh, ask that you would uh, do all of this, bring honor and glory uh, to your name. And Lord, though we uh, don't understand uh, even uh, why at this, uh, this time when uh, we were uh, this uh, uh, hoping to be able to uh, to see her that we uh, just uh, have uh, missed it at this moment, uh, Lord, we uh, we just uh, pray that you would uh, uh, encourage uh, Peggy, uh, yes, Lord, Lord. Uh, strengthen her heart, and Lord, we uh, uh, we just uh, thank you that we have uh, the the blessed uh, hope and uh, the, uh, the the wonderful yes, assurance Lord. of your your love and of uh, uh, of. Uh, Lord, what is yet to come that is still the best, and we thank you for all of that, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Peggy, we're going to let you go, but uh, everybody together, get well soon. Let's try that again. Get Get well well soon, soon. Miss Peggy. We love you. We'll let you go, Miss Peggy. That's one of my prayers at the first of the list. Yes. If I can get out of here. Amen, amen, amen. All I had to do was fall today, and like yeah. it put me back now. I have to stay longer. Oh, bless your heart. My Whoa. legs are terrible. They Whoa. barely hold me. Oh, bless your heart, Peggy. Well, you're going to get out by the grace of God. We know that. So. Oh, absolutely. Amen. He has a purpose for me here. Amen. All right. You, you take care. God bless you. you All right. Thanks so care. much for calling. No problem. How long are they staying, Pastor? They got to leave at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. <laughs> they got a 14-hour oh, drive no. behind them or ahead of them. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, so. oh, I feel bad. I tell oh, I had a fit when Donna told me they were coming in. You called then that they were coming in. Yeah. I'm like, oh, Lord, all oh. things. All right, well, you take care. Some of those children I've never seen. Six of them you haven't seen. (laughs) Okay. Okay. All right, you you take care, Miss Peggy. We'll talk to you tomorrow, probably. Okay, honey. Okay, bye-bye. Have a good night. You too, bye-bye. Hey, before Pastor BJ comes to preach this, I want to, George, you can have a seat here. We're going to, in fact, uh, this this story is for George and for Brother Dave uh, and Will. Uh, I, I got a story. I don't know if you guys remember this, but it ties in. You're going to know some people. I was with Ed Cullen with 20 years ago, and uh, we were down in Pensacola Christian College in Florida. I went down specifically to, uh, went to the pastor's refresher conference, I guess it was, but I also called the, oh, whatever they call it, the, the guy at the college that, uh, recruitment officer trying to find an assistant pastor, of course. And so I spent three days searching all of the 5,000, 4,000 uh, students at, uh, at Pensacola Christian College looking for an assistant pastor. And it was about uh, 20 minutes before I'm ready to, I had to leave and get to the plane. It's the last day we're there, of course. And uh, I'm with Ed Cullen. And uh, I just said, did you have any uh, luck? Or I don't know if he used that word, but uh, any, any opportunity to find an assistant pastor? I said, no. I said, I scoured the place and there's, there's just nobody that fits the bill, it sounds like. And there was a pastor from... Your pastor for Sanford. Sanford? Yeah. Yeah. What was his name again? Ron Taylor. Ron Taylor just happened to be, I don't know if he was, he must have been, yeah, he, somehow he knew Ed Cullen. Well, he came up and talked to me, or we were just talking to three of us, and I was talking to just Ed personally, and I said, uh, you know, just told him that we didn't have anybody, and he says, you know about B.J. Luce? I says, B.J. who? I had no idea who he was even talking about, and you guys were in the church there, I guess you grew up there, is that how that worked? Yeah, we had just, yeah, we had been there just a couple of years, actually, parents were in the church, yeah. So. And so, it just, you know, uh, by coincidence, you know, by so-called luck, and it was, of course, it was God, God instance, it was a providential thing here, of course, he said, do you know B.J. Luce? And he says, I says, I had no idea. And within like 10 minutes, he tracked down B.J. I got to talk to him for like five minutes. We hired him in six minutes after that. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, that's, uh, the rest is history, as they say. They came, and they really did come, just for the record, uh, for you folks that were here, you remember this, but we just had that exponential growth. Uh, I think we really, I, I really, I don't think I'm boasting, bringing, I think we really grew by almost 101 years' time. Of course, that was all the 
to use a secular phrase, all the stars were aligned. Of course, we were the new hot church, and God was just blessing. We just moved out here from our, our old building and so forth, and everything was clicking. And, and, uh, but a lot of that I attribute to uh, that growth spirit. I really attribute, and uh, Pastor BJ and Miss Sarah, I want you to know this, uh, to the music. I, I've said that a thousand times, and that's no joke. The music, it just it was so nice to have that piano lit up every single uh, Sunday and Sunday night, and of course Wednesday as well. And so, uh, Sarah, you need to play some concert, one of your concert pieces before you leave. You should do that for. Uh, we'll get to do it for the offertory. But Pastor BJ, let me take your time. We're, we're not going anywhere anyhow. So you come up and preach for us here. So. <laughs> Thank you, brother. All right, let's take our Bibles. Turn to First Peter. First Peter chapter one. I was going to preach something else, and Pastor, you know how this goes. It uh, uh, and I, I didn't want to preach this because this is what we've been preaching at home. And uh, you know, pastors when they're preaching somewhere else, they just preach what they had preached Sunday, right? And uh, uh, but I, I uh, just uh, just actually up here in the last few minutes couldn't get away from uh, from the text and uh, and the the thoughts here this evening. I'll be a blessing, and hopefully help uh, in. That first uh, April when we came, uh, it was I, that would have been the, the conference, the enrichment conference would have been March, and I think you had uh, had me fly in in April, and uh, uh, and it was actually April first. And the reason I remember that is because uh, you had put me with uh, Peggy and uh, and Jim Isley. Uh, and, uh, and so we were, I was, I was staying, Sarah and I weren't married yet, but, uh, I was staying, uh, staying at their house and, uh, um, and those who, uh, uh who knew brother Isley, you, you understand, but, you know, he came in and, and, uh, first thing in, in the morning he said, he said, BJ, uh, he said, pastor just called and, uh, he is out sick and, uh, he needs you to preach this morning. <laughs> I hope you have something ready to go. And my mind's reeling like I you know stuff. He said, "Don't worry, it's April Fools." And uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, so we uh, have some uh, obviously some uh, special memories uh, here that we uh, take with us. And uh, I'm always uh, um, quoting Pastor Shot <laughs> and the things that I had in those two years here. Uh, just uh, of uh, advice and and, uh, and direction for ministry. And I I was set on uh, traveling and and revival work and evangelism, and that's why we had left primarily going down to uh, the Bill Rice Ranch. And uh, but uh, the Lord uh, uh, just worked after about five years uh, to uh, direct us to the church where Sarah had grown up, and uh, it was just a number of circumstances all involved that. Uh, um, the Lord was clearly, clearly uh, leading us uh, to go there, and uh, so uh, we did. We've been there uh, for uh, uh, 13 uh, years. I guess it was in 07, winter of 07. So, um, uh, but uh, the Lord is, has been good. He's been growing us, and uh, 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 spiritually, and and in our walk with Him. And uh, I want to encourage you uh, tonight, just with some thoughts from First Peter that uh, I've been in- encouraged uh, with, with, uh, with our church family, and of course this whole uh, last year, uh, it just, it, it, it seems like uh, everything has been turned uh, topsy-turvy, and, uh, uh, but it doesn't have to be uh, bad, uh, and I think that the Lord is using it uh, for good in many ways, uh, that uh, uh, you know, testing always uh, brings uh, to the top uh, the uh, uh, the bad and the good, uh, but the dross in our life rises uh, to the top, uh, and uh, you know it's it's, it's through uh, suffering, it's through trial and 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 trouble uh, that we grow, uh, and sometimes the Lord has to. Uh, bring things into our life to get us to refocus, and uh, if uh, if we're not careful, we'll allow the things of of this world and the things of this life will allow Satan to have the advantage, rather than God having the advantage. 
uh, in the same circumstances, the same situations, James speaks to that. Uh, Satan is using for one reason. We see that in Job's life, and God is using it for another reason. Same circumstances, uh, and yet uh, who we would yield to and how we take the outlook will determine uh, what the impact and what the effect is going to have on our life. And uh, so in 1 Peter chapter number 1, let's look at verse, uh, verses 3 through 5 here this evening. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. What is entailed in your birth? What's entailed in your birth? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we ask that you would speak to our hearts. Thank you that we can come to you as our Father, behold what manner of love you have bestowed upon us that we could be called your children, <laughs> that we can come boldly before your throne, our creator, our God, the ruler of everything. You uphold all things by the word of your power, and yet you invite us to come boldly into your presence. And oh, not just as sinners in need, though we are, but as children that you have given your life for. No, we are humbled and we are grateful tonight. And I pray that you would help us to refocus our hearts and our minds uh, back onto those things which are truly Truly important. And we ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. The theme through First Peter, as Peter is writing this to the, uh, the strangers scattered uh, throughout Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, uh, those strangers, I believe he's uh, actually referring to uh, the Jewish brethren. Now, Peter was the apostle uh, to the Jews, uh, and and so it, it makes sense that he is writing to uh, these Jewish believers, the the part of the the diaspora, uh, but yet those who have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, they are uh, facing suffering, and that's the theme of First Peter is suffering. We see that word coming up over and over again: suffering and suffering, and how to deal with suffering. And following in chapter number three, the uh, rather chapter number two, the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we can follow in His steps. By the way, what would Jesus do following in His steps? That's all about suffering. Uh, and you, you you want to follow in His steps uh, to follow the Lord Jesus Christ is to follow in a path of suffering. And he has led us in the example of suffering and submission. And so uh, it may be uh, difficult, but it is possible. And he has shown us the way. And it is a theme of suffering. But there's another theme that uh, I have picked up on here and uh, through this study First uh, Peter, and that is taken from that word, uh, the strangers uh, scattered abroad. That is the the uh, the aliens. That's the idea, uh, pilgrims, and that really is uh, another emphasis through First Peter is this idea of the pilgrim lifestyle, the pilgrim walk. That uh, we are uh, we are immigrants. Every single one of us here on this earth. Uh, we are not to put down our tent stakes. Too deep. They are to be ready to be pulled up at a moment's notice. Uh, we, are, we are to be ready to journey through this life uh, and on to the next, uh, always looking forward to that day, keeping our heart and our mind set on things above. Set your affection on things above, 
not on things on the earth. And seek the Lord. Seek Him. And put your heart and your mind on Him. And so this is really the pilgrim's guide to living in a foreign land. How do you survive in a foreign land if you're a pilgrim? Now, First Peter gives us some tips and some hints. And part of that is remembering who we are. Part of that remembering who we are. You know, if an immigrant comes... Uh, to uh, any country, whether it's here to the United States or, uh, or if it's, a, it's an American going to another country. Uh, you know, there's something that uh, you always take with you. And that's where you came from. It's your birth. It's your birth. And who your parents are. And who your family is. And we are to keep that in mind always. This is the new birth. What is entailed in the new birth? We are being born again, and Peter references that, that, that second birth and being born again, not of, of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And this is spoken to us again here in verse number three. He says, he hath begotten us again. Uh, so this idea, the born again, uh, it's not just for the Apostle John, it's also Peter. He hits on this, being born again, this new birth, uh, this second birth. And what is entailed in your birth? You know, it's amazing uh, in, in this world's perspective, how many things are wrapped up in somebody's birth, right? And people can have wealth, uh, wealth, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and uh, there's that southern influence coming back. Again. <laughs> uh, but people have, they can have uh, wealth, they can have an inheritance, they can have all kinds of things that come to them simply by who their parents are. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's something, uh, or had been something uniquely uh, American, you know, that uh, it, it didn't matter who, uh, who your parents were, you can, uh, you can rise above it in, in what other nation uh, could, uh, uh, could men rise to such levels uh, that uh, they, they could not in other countries and other generations pass. But uh, the opportunities that have been availed to them in uh, this country, uh, but in, in the most of, of generations through, throughout history, it was who you were born to made all the difference. So it is with us. The second birth. You must be born again. <laughs> Why? Because there is so much entailed in our birth. What we have as a birthright. And just by uh, way of introduction, he introduces this thought with verse number three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you're going to talk about being born again and coming and, and birth, right? Uh, uh, it, it wouldn't, you think, if, if I was writing it, I would say, blessed be the God and Father of us all. But when he's going to speak about your birth, when he's going to speak about your relationship to the Father, what does he say? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because everything that we have, everything that we are is in Jesus Christ. It is not in you. It is not in me. The new birth is just that it is the new birth, and we must be born again because it has to be by Jesus Christ. And if we do not come to Jesus Christ, we do not have the new birth. But when we come to Jesus Christ and we have the new birth in him, we are given abundant mercy. And Jesus says, which according to... To his abundant mercy hath begotten us. Now, he mentions in verse number two, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. This has been such a uh, help to me. I was teaching through the pastoral epistles, and, and uh, it was pointed out to me that the, the pastoral epistles are the only ones where uh, the salutation has grace, mercy, and peace. All the other letters uh, to the churches have grace and peace. 
And so, so it is here, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. But when Paul is writing to his preachers, to the pastors, he says, grace, mercy, peace. Because pastors must have mercy. Not from the people, from God. Because to whom much is given, much is required. And, uh, and I'm convinced if it wasn't for God's mercy, there wouldn't be a pastor alive. <laughs> Yet Peter gets in mercy here. <laughs> Grace and peace, but uh, I can't stray very far. And the Holy Spirit has to put it in for us in verse number three, which according to his abundant mercy. Uh, we do not deserve any of it. <laughs> it's his mercy. Usually when you're going to introduce a subject of something uh, of which you are receiving things which you don't deserve, usually the word that you would use for that would be grace. But this, this is too much. And we must be reminded his mercy. His mercy. We don't deserve a lick of it. <laughs> but we get it anyway. Because he is full of mercy. Abundant. <laughs> abundant mercy. You know, and that abundant mercy that was available for you and that was extended to you for the new birth is extended to your neighbor. It's extended also and it is available and it is abundant mercy for your coworker. Right? It's, it's, it's available mercy for that neighbor who has the Black Lives Matter signs all in their yard, you know, and flying the rainbow flag, and right? Oh, they need mercy. Yes. So did we. And his mercy is abundant. Uh, let's not forget that. <laughs> that he desires them as well. If they will have him. He wants them. He wants them. If they will have him. At all according to his mercy. It is all of his mercy, but he has begotten us in this new birth. What is entailed in our birth? Uh, and, and he uses uh, three uh, phrases that he, he references to that we have been born unto. And he says in verse number three, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto first a lively hope. I said, if you have been born again, guess what? You have a lively hope. Uh, it, it, it comes with the nature of who you are in Jesus Christ. It's a lively hope. So uh, let me ask you, have you had a lively hope lately? I mean, a hope that's alive? <laughs> uh, a hope that just keeps bubbling out because that's, that's the part of the nature of being born again. You have been born again unto a lively hope. You know, it ought to show. It ought to show in our conversation and the things that we talk about and how we talk about them, how we reference them. Are we, we realize that this is what we have been born unto. We've been born into a lively hope. We should not be walking around, you know, down in, in, in the dumps, in the, you know, mully grubs and, uh, and all of that. Uh, as I shared uh, one of the, the pastors I, I uh, had in high school, and uh, he said, you know, when, uh, I think it was his grandfather, it would, when all the family would get down in the dumps, you know, and they're all sitting around, mooping around, and, and he'd say, cheer up, we'll all soon be dead. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, hey, if that's what it takes to get a lively hope, <laughs> then uh, uh, let's, uh, let's do it. We're born unto a lively hope. Hey, uh, we have a hope that is lively, and we have a hope that is filled with expectation. That's 
a live expectation. That's the word hope, is that expectation. It's the confidence. Uh, we have heard it so many times that we need to be reminded of it over and over again. Uh, we've read the end of the book. Hey, uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, this is uh, the situation and the circumstances that we find ourselves in. You know, we are torn. We are torn between our love for America and what we see going on. And yet, our love for the Lord must prevail. Our love for the Lord must prevail. And our love for truth must prevail. And when we come to the truth of the Word of God, one thing is very uh, uh, evident. This world is not heading in a better direction. So I know that. But it's not going to head in a better direction. If you have eyes to see, that is, if you have new birth eyes to see, then you can look at the Word of God, you can look at what's going on, you know the Spirit is working as well, and He is testifying to the fact that we are on the home stretch. And when the Lord returns, will He find faith on the earth? Will he find believers looking and longing for him with that lively hope, that expectation? No, we are not living for the things of this life. We are not living for the things here below. We are living for him, no matter the cost. We are filled with expectation. And our expectation is not in what we can accomplish four years from now when we can get another guy in. Or the same guy back again. Or in two years, right? We're going to continually be disappointed because it's going to continually get worse. <laughs> you know, and, and I, I had to come to this, this conclusion and just settle in my heart. You know, there, there are things worth dying and living for. And, you know, we are, we are getting to the point where we really have to uh, re-examine as Americans, where's, where's my place? And, and what is really worth in light of eternity? Giving everything for giving that last full measure. What and where is the value? Where, where is our heart? Where is our focus? And where is our expectation? Where is our expectation? There is going to arise a world power And we know from the scriptures that that world power is a revived Roman Empire. That is undeniably clear, unless you're trying to make up new things to sell a book and make a couple million dollars. But if you let the book speak for itself, there is going to be a resurgence, a revival of the Roman Empire. And... America, by extension, will most likely be a, an extended arm of that. We are. Basically. That extension, anyway. Uh, whether or not, you know, where is American prophecy? But still, uh, that, that European confederation uh, in, in, in the Americas and all of that was entailed in the Holy Roman Empire and the continuation of it. Uh, and, uh, um, and, and, and you look at the history of England and America and, and our place in this. And when you, when you understand that there is a woman who rides the beast... 
the woman is not the beast, but she's riding the beast, she's controlling the beast, and she is a religious entity. It is very clear. It's a matter of worship. And again, sometimes you just need to stick with the tried and true and the understanding of, uh, of believers through the ages that uh, that woman riding the beast uh, is the Antichrist and it is the papal church and system. By the way, that's why I stay away from contemporary Christian music. If that was the only reason, it would be enough. Uh, Southern gospel, you are jumping right in bed with that woman who's riding the beast. But, and it's, it's part of that influence that she is using. But we see on the other part, she is also, she has been trying to get back Protestantism. And this is, this is her goal. Do you know there's a statue in Rome and uh, uh, picturing the church and, and the globe, and there's a, there's a needle coming out of England poking the toe of the statue. She's been the thorn. But not so much anymore. She's pretty much capitulated, but you still have America. And uh, once she gets her back uh, under the, the, the mother church in the fold once again. So, you know, it's, it's no mystery to those who have eyes to see. The ecumenical movement, uh, everything, join hands and, and get along with this. And yeah, we all just get along as Christians. You know, if, if every Christian just got together and, and, and just agreed to, to disagree, you know what, we could solve all the religious problems in the world. <laughs> Right. I say, you say, why'd you get off on that rabbit trail? Because if we don't understand what's going on, we will, we will quench <laughs> this hope. We will get our expectations in the wrong place. And, and, and if we don't really understand what's going on, there are things, it's, it's, it's called the mystery of iniquity. There are things taking place in this world that are, that are being uh, controlled by the prince and power of this air that God ultimately is allowing to transpire to bring about his purposes and his plans. And I don't want to get caught up putting my tent stake so deeply down in this earth and in this world that I actually end up walking at variance with my heavenly father. But see, we have been so filled in Christianity of America today and not just, but in other countries as well, health, wealth, and prosperity, gospel, this kind of idea that, you know, God doesn't want you to suffer. Right? God doesn't want you to suffer. Oh, is, is that a true statement? Now, don't get in your mind that I'm saying, you know, God is, is purposely looking to do, uh, to do harm and injury. No, when he allows it, he is like with Job. He is saying, you can go this far, but no further. And if he allows him to go any further, he gives grace. And even if it be to death, he is pleased. Precious in the sight of the Lord are the death of his saints. <laughs> because our Heavenly Father has the big picture. He has the big picture of which we often lose focus. <laughs> and so we are so caught up in this life, we forget we're pilgrims and immigrants in this life. And we think, oh, this is so terrible, this is so terrible. Because from our viewpoint, we are holding on so tightly to the things here on this earth. God is saying, no, 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 no. This is not what it's about. I was going to preach on Psalm 37, 
Let me give you a homework assignment. You go through and study out the contrast between the righteous and the wicked and God's plans for those down through Psalm 37. And see God's perspective. The long-term view. You see, we are born again first into a lively hope. And it is also based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He says, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. There it is. Our li- we can have a lively hope because Jesus Christ has overcome sin, death, and hell. And uh, we will overcome as well. And death cannot hold me. You know, this world, this world is scared to death of dying. This last year, if it has proven anything, it is that people are scared to death to die. And my heart goes out to him. I was like, you know what? <laughs> Honestly, I'm not afraid to die. <laughs> I, I have been born again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when my time comes to go, it's just a transition. I'm just stepping out from here to my home. And I'll be in the country to which I actually have a true and a great and legitimate citizenship. We are born again into a lively hope, but in verse number four, he says, to or unto, could say, to an inheritance incorruptible. What's in your birth? You've been born again unto an inheritance. <laughs> There it is. There, what we get in our birth, simply because of who our Father is. We get an inheritance. <laughs> and this is the wonder of the gospel and the good news that He can say, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, and that whoever would believe on me would be saved. And then it doesn't matter who their physical parents are, they can have an inheritance beyond anything that this world could ever come up with. You have an inheritance that is incorruptible. That means it can't decay. It can't decay. (laughs) And we are surrounded in this life with things that decay. Things are always breaking down and Falling apart. You get an, an inheritance. And how many times people inherit something <laughs> that is very costly just to keep up? Right? Not so with ours. It's incorruptible. <laughs> it's incorruptible, it is undefiled. That means there's no spoil, there's no stain, there's, no, there's nothing to detract from it. There's nothing when we look at it and say, you know what, I wish that that was a little bit, or I wish I had this. You know what, this would be the perfect inheritance except, you know, if I only had that to go with it. No, it is undefiled. It fadeth not away. It's not going anywhere. It's not like the things of this world that are here for a moment and gone the next. It doesn't fade away. (laughs) Mm. Reserved in heaven for you. This word for reserved is that God has his eye on it. (laughs) He's got his eye on it. He's looking, it's reserved in heaven for you. And it's for you. It's also in heaven. Where's your inheritance? It's not coming here. If you're expecting it here, you're going to be sadly disappointed. And you might even be tempted to get bitter when you face suffering or trial or tribulation or trouble. But when you understand This is not my inheritance. There is nothing here for me to inherit. It's not here. It's in heaven. And it is for me. It is reserved in heaven for you. 
Notice he doesn't say for us. He says for you. (laughs) Why? Because it's personal. I read in Revelation where the Lord has a white stone. He has a name for you. And it's not clear from the passage here, but I don't know that it might not be that it's only a name that he knows and you will know. He has a special inheritance. He has a special name. He has a special place for you. And if that doesn't just give you the expectation just to go through this life and say, you know what? (laughs) I'm going to serve God no matter what. (laughs) Nobody in this world could give me that. Nothing in this world could offer me that. (laughs) We are born unto an inheritance. And lastly, he says, we are born again. Unto salvation. Verse number five, he says, Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, there is a sense in which, yes, we are saved. And we reference that and understand that our salvation is, is finished. It is accomplished. Are you saved? Have we been saved? So, yes, we are saved. But there is also a sense in which our salvation is not yet complete. The Holy Spirit spoke to the Apostle Paul to say that he would, uh, his desire was that uh, they would be saved or spared and kept, both body, soul, and spirit. This body, of which we give so much attention to in this world, is going to be placed into the ground someday, except if by chance the Lord returns before then, but we're going to put off this shell and it's going to be laid in the ground. But someday the Lord is going to return and he's going to give a shout (laughs) and he's going to call forth all those (laughs) who are in the grave. And they will be changed. And we will be changed, those of us who are alive and remain. But we shall all be caught up together with the Lord in the clouds and the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Our salvation will be complete. Listen, we have been born again unto salvation. And he says, we are kept by the power of God. Kept, this word here is, is different from that word reserved. The inheritance reserved in heaven for you, that's he's got his eye on it. That's the kind of idea, hey, you know, it's there. I, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on it, and, and it's okay. This word, that we are kept by the power of God, is the word of guarding. And it really has the idea of, of you know, a bodyguard putting the arms around and actually securing it. <laughs> you see, our, our inheritance is in heaven, and it's safe. He keeps his eye on it. <laughs> but for each and every one of us, he's guarding us. He is guarding us. And you know what that means? You are kept by the power of God. Now, either God is true or he is a liar. Now, if he is true, then you are kept by the power of God. If you are kept by the power of God, then that means that what comes into your life, it doesn't necessarily mean that he is doing it out per se, but he is allowing it. You are kept by the power of God. And so nothing gets to you that he does not say, son, I know. You can handle it. And I will give you grace. 
and it is sufficient. But I'm going to keep my arms around you. And I'm going to hold you. And I'm going to guard you. And I'm never going to let go. You see, we need to understand. We need this guide as pilgrims to live in a foreign land. We're in a hostile country. This whole world is, is hostile to us. We are an abomination to the righteous, I mean to the wicked. They're an abomination to us. Proverbs speaks to that. There's no middle ground. But if you're going to serve God, if you're going to live godly, you are going to suffer. Because we're living in a hostile world. And we are just pilgrims. But we have his promise, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I will keep you. We are kept by the power of God unto salvation, ready. <laughs> Any moment. Ready. The Lord is at hand. He says over and over, come, I'm coming soon. Behold, I come quickly. And, and if, we're, if, we don't under, if, we, if we think he means soon, like, well, he was telling that to John, and, and he meant soon, so he was coming within like two minutes, and he didn't come, so, you know. No, what he means is, when I come, it's going to be soon. But it's always ready. Always ready. Always ready. Ready at a moment's notice. Any moment to be revealed. This is, this is the same word, the apocalypto. Apocalypse, a revelation. And at that moment, it will be revealed, he said, in the last time. I'll keep that perspective. In the last time. You see, even those who have gone on before us, they're still awaiting that ready. They are consciously in the presence of the Lord, but they are not yet completely glorified because their bodies are still awaiting the resurrection. So here or there, folks, we're all waiting on the same thing. Ready. When that moment comes, it will be revealed what he has done. And for all of eternity, we will be the trophies of his grace, of his goodness, of his power, and of his mercy. It's our heavenly Father, and this is our inheritance to a lively hope. Now our salvation. God is keeping us to the end. Just as Satan would dispute over the body of Moses, God would say, no way, never. You are kept by the power of God unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Out of all of our inheritance that he gives us in these three verses, there's only one thing that is mentioned that is actually up to us. Everything else, this is his doing. <laughs> you don't have to do anything. This is all his doing. You can't, you can't change it. You couldn't get less of it if you wanted. <laughs> you couldn't give it away. You couldn't change it. There's nothing you can do about it. There's only one thing that is put upon us. We are kept by the power of God 
through faith. Faith. Through faith. Now, it's not that I have to keep believing. And if I keep on believing, he's going to keep on, you know, keeping his power and guarding me and keeping me, you know. Uh, no, it's, it's this idea. Listen, when you've been born again, you are born again by faith, through faith, by grace, but through faith. And that faith for your salvation, in once you are born again, you know, it, it, is, it is your nature. The faith does not go away. There's something terribly wrong, drastically wrong with a believer who can't walk by faith. Because it's what brings us into the new birth and it's how we walk as born again children of his. And when we do not walk by faith, we're missing out on accessing all that is ours. (laughs) The lively hope The reality that this world is not our home, but we have an inheritance reserved in heaven for us. Me? For you? This world is not worth living for. Nothing in this world is worth living for. Nothing in this world is worth dying for. Except it be to impact heaven. And we, as his children, are to walk by faith. Listen, if you've been born again, if you've entered in to that sonship and that relationship through faith, keep walking by faith. And understand, man, he's got it all planned out. That him, my father, planned it all. It's been a blessing for Sarah, especially this year. It's mentioned over and over again. You know, uh, you know, we go through difficult times, and just remember, my father planned it all. You know, it, it's it's. It's not that our father is mean. Not that idea at all. It's, it's that he plans things for us that he desires to use to make us more like himself. And so he plans it all. He knows what's coming tomorrow. He knows what's coming six months from now. He, and he says, you know, don't worry about whether you have food or raiment. I take care of the birds. <laughs> I cause the grass to grow again after it's been under three feet of snow. <laughs> hey, you may feel like you're plowed under in the snow. Yeah, but... He's got it all planned. He's got it all planned. See, our problem is we get our ideas of what success and what the perfect Christian life and experience would be like. When we come into faith, we get to get the Father's perspective and begin to understand I'm just his child. And that's all that matters. <laughs> all that matters is that I'd be with him someday. And you know what? Uh, we, we, why, why, why are we so afraid to die? 
Why are we so afraid for our children to go to be with the Lord? Or for our spouse? Or for our parents? No, because because we're living for here and now. Ah, but we're living for eternity. You know, there, there was in the 1800s a missionary movement unlike anything the world had seen. Why? Because they had the right perspective. Right? And into the 1900s you had young people who were just saying only one life soon be passed only what's done for Christ will last (laughs) and uh, what does God want from me what does God want from you you find the will of God for your life and do it that's success that's success Um, you know we have uh a generation or two, especially in, in the church mentality of, um, you know, it's, it's all about numbers, that's success, right? <laughs> but, you know, we really, what does God view success? Right? <laughs> I mentioned that the folks in Lewiston on Sunday night. What do you know? Because church members, I understand it's hard. You know? You seek to do right and, and, and you want to change and, and do things like, oh, if we could just, we're, whatever. And, uh, uh, but hey, and, and it's hard for pastors and the pressure that is there. And, you know, especially in our circles, it was, you know, but, you know what, is, what is success? You know, what is pleasing to God? Where's the number where he's pleased? Right? 100 people? Ah, that's when he's pleased. That's success. 500 people? Now that church is a success. Now how God is pleased. He wasn't so pleased when they only had 100, but he's really pleased now that they have 500. Oh, uh, 1,000? Woo! Now, oh, God is pleased. You know, he is, whoa, this is awesome. This guy's great. You know, this is great. He's pleased, pleased, pleased. A million people? Wouldn't that be really cool? You know, have a church with a million people. Okay. Do do you see how ludicrous this gets? If we take it to its logical end, what is God interested in? He is looking for those who are looking for him and whose hearts are perfect towards him. (laughs) And uh, someday the success will not be measured in terms of this world's way of looking things. The success will be measured as we look at our inheritance And all of that is in Jesus Christ. <laughs> there are rewards to be added to it, but there's nothing getting taken away. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> Man, work for Jesus Christ. Serve him as a child of God. Why? Because you have an inheritance. And listen, if you did nothing beyond that, you would have an inheritance incorruptible that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Something so special and unique for all of eternity. And nothing can take it away. The things you do bad and mess up, or if you never did anything for God after that, there's nothing to take away from that inheritance. That, oh, there is so much more that can be added to it. So much more that can be added to it. If we will just... Trust and obey and do what he wants. And you get to the end of your life and you have just followed him. There will be no regrets. No regrets. Just follow the Lord. 
and trust him as a little child. And let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I don't know what decision would be, need to be made uh, this evening. Uh, and I don't know how uh, Pastor Schott would like to uh, um, finish with, uh, uh, with a song, but just consider this. And the Lord has been speaking to you. I know he has. He's been speaking to me. Um, would, this is your time now to respond and speak to him. And say, Father, I know this is what you said to me tonight, and so this is what I'm going to do, and this is what I'm, how I'm going to change, or these are the things that are going to change in my life and the priorities and the things that, uh, you know, maybe it's just simply you're getting your heart back in the right place. Hey, uh, would you do it? Uh, would you do it uh, tonight uh, as uh, the Lord uh, would lead? And uh, um, I think Sarah has uh, a song of, uh, of invitation. And uh, just have her play a verse, and then I think we might uh, sing it here in just a moment. Let me give you a moment. Let's stand to our feet quietly. And if you need to pray, maybe you need to stay there. Maybe you need to come to the front. Uh, but uh, let's, let's speak to the Lord uh, as, as you uh, see fit and what you need to do where you are or be fine. Just let's respond to him now. He's spoken to us, and let's take this moment and respond to him.